Letter 98 of Moral Letters to Lucilius by Lucius Annaeus Seneca, translated by Richard M. Gummier. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. On the Fickleness of Fortune You need never believe that anyone who depends upon happiness is happy. It is a fragile support. This delight in adventitious things, the joy which entered from without will some day depart. But that joy which springs wholly from oneself is leal and sound. It increases and attends us to the last, while all other things which provoke the admiration of the crowd are but temporary goods. You may reply, What do you mean? Cannot such things serve both for utility and for delight? Of course. But only if they depend on us and not we on them. All things that fortune looks upon become productive and pleasant, only if he who possesses them is in possession also of himself, and is not in the power of that which belongs to him. For men make a mistake, my dear Lucilius, if they hold that anything good, or evil either, is bestowed upon us by fortune. It is simply the raw material of goods and ills that she gives to us. The sources of things which, in our keeping, will develop into good or evil. For the soul is more powerful than any sort of fortune. By its agency it guides its affairs in either direction, and of its own power it can produce a happy life or a wretched one. A bad man makes everything bad. Even things which had come with the appearance of what is best. But the upright and honest man corrects the wrongs of fortune and softens hardship and bitterness, because he knows how to endure them. He likewise accepts prosperity with appreciation and moderation, and stands up against troubles with steadiness and courage. Though a man be prudent, though he conduct all his interests with well-balanced judgment, though he attempt nothing beyond his strength, he will not attain the good which is unalloyed and beyond the reach of threats unless he is sure in dealing with that which is unsure. For whether you prefer to observe other men, and it is easier to make up one's mind when judging the affairs of others, or whether you observe yourself, with all prejudice laid aside, you will perceive and acknowledge that there is no utility in all these desirable and beloved things, unless you equip yourself in opposition to the fickleness of chance and its consequences and unless you repeat to yourself often and uncomplainingly, at every mishap, the words, Heaven decreed it otherwise. Nay, rather, to adopt a phrase which is braver and nearer the truth, one on which you may more safely prop your spirit. Say to yourself, whenever things turn out contrary to your expectation, Heaven decreed better. If you are thus poised, Nothing will affect you, and a man will be thus poised if he reflects on the possible ups and downs in human affairs, before he feels their force. And if he comes to regard children, or wife, or property, with the idea that he will not necessarily possess them always, and that he will not be any more wretched just because he ceases to possess them. It is tragic for the soul to be apprehensive of the future, and wretched in anticipation of wretchedness consumed with an anxious desire that the objects which give pleasure may remain in its possession to the very end. For such a soul will never be at rest. In waiting for the future, 
it will lose the present blessings which it might enjoy. And there is no difference between grief for something lost and the fear of losing it. But I do not for this reason advise you to be indifferent. Rather, do you turn aside from you whatever may cause fear. Be sure to foresee whatever can be foreseen by planning. Observe and avoid, long before it happens, anything that is likely to do you harm. To effect this, your best assistance will be a spirit of confidence, and a mind strongly resolved to endure all things. He who can bear fortune can also beware of fortune. At any rate, there is no dashing of billows when the sea is calm, and there is nothing more wretched or foolish than premature fear. What madness it is to anticipate one's troubles! In fine, to express my thoughts in brief compass and portray to you those busybodies and self-tormentors, they are as uncontrolled in the midst of their troubles as they are before them. He suffers more than is necessary who suffers before it is necessary. Such men do not weigh the amount of their suffering by reason of the same failing which prevents them from being ready for it, and with the same lack of restraint. They fondly imagine that their luck will last forever, and fondly imagine that their gains are bound to increase as well as merely continue. They forget this springboard on which mortal things are tossed, and they guarantee for themselves exclusively a steady continuance of the gifts of chance. For this reason I regard as excellent the saying of Metrodurus, in a letter of consolation to his sister on the loss of her son, a lad of great promise, all the good of mortals is mortal. He is referring to those goods toward which men rush in shoals. For the real good does not perish. It is certain and lasting, and it consists of wisdom and virtue. It is the only immortal thing that falls to mortal lot. But men are so wayward, and so forgetful of their goal, and of the point toward which every day jostles them, that they are surprised at losing anything although some day they are bound to lose everything. Anything of which you are entitled the owner is in your possession but is not your own, for there is no strength in that which is weak, nor anything lasting and invincible in that which is frail. We must lose our lives as surely as we lose our property, and this, if we understand the truth, is itself a consolation. Lose it with equanimity for you must lose your life also. What resource do we find, then, in the face of these losses? Simply this, to keep in memory the things we have lost, and not to suffer the enjoyment which we have derived from them to pass away along with them. To have may be taken from us. To have had, never. A man is thankless in the highest degree if, after losing something, he feels no obligation for having received it. Chance robs us of the thing, but leaves us its use and its enjoyment, and we have lost this if we are so unfair as to regret. Just say to yourself, of all these experiences that seem so frightful, none is insuperable. Separate trials have been overcome by many, fire by Musius, crucifixion by Regulus, poison by Socrates, exile by Rutilius, and a sword-inflicted death by Cato. Therefore let us overcome something. 
again those objects which attract the crowd under the appearance of beauty and happiness have been scorned by many men and on many occasions fabricius when he was general refused riches and when he was censor branded them with disapproval tubero deemed poverty worthy both of himself and of the deity on the capital when by the use of earthenware dishes at a public festival he showed that man should be satisfied with that which the gods could still use the elder sextius rejected the honors of office he was born with an obligation to take part in public affairs and yet would not accept the broad stripe even when the deified julius offered it to him for he understood that what can be given can also be taken away let us therefore carry out some courageous act of our own accord let us be included among the ideal types of history why have we been slack why do we lose heart that which could be done can be done if only we purify our souls and follow nature for when one strays away from nature one is compelled to crave and fear and be a slave to the things of chance we may return to the true path we may be restored to our proper state let us therefore be so in order that we may be able to endure pain in whatever form it attacks our bodies and say to fortune you have to deal with a man seek someone whom you can conquer by these words and words of a like kind the malignity of the ulcer is quieted down and i hope indeed that it can be reduced and either cured or brought to a stop and grow old along with the patient himself i am however comfortable in my mind regarding him what we are now discussing is our own loss the taking off of a most excellent old man for he himself has lived a full life and anything additional may be craved by him not for his own sake but for the sake of those who need his services in continuing to live he deals generously some other person might have put an end to these sufferings but our friend considers it no less base to flee from death than to flee toward death but comes the answer if circumstances warrant shall he not take his departure of course if he can no longer be of service to anyone if all his business will be to deal with pain this my dear lucilius is what we mean by studying philosophy while applying it by practicing it on truth note what courage a prudent man possesses against death or against pain when the one approaches and the other weighs heavily what ought to be done must be learned from one who does it up to now we have dealt with arguments whether any man can resist pain or whether the approach of death can cast down even great souls why discuss it further here is an immediate fact for us to tackle death does not make our friend braver to face pain nor pain to face death rather does he trust himself in the face of both he does not suffer with resignation because he hopes for death nor does he die gladly because he is tired of suffering pain he endures death he awaits farewell end of letter ninety eight recording by john van stan savannah georgia